In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The story in Capernaum is shocking. It's a miracle. It's beyond all understanding. So this miracle encounters here, brings together a Roman soldier, part of the occupying forces, all right, hated by all, who was the leader over about a hundred people as the name in Latin suggests. He was part of a legion. The legion was in the range of thousands of people, four, five, six thousand people. So he had a a commander, and he was also the commander of the troops under him. He was a pagan. Apparently, he was a good man, we learn from the other uh, Gospels, because he had enabled the building of a synagogue there, and he was respected by the Jews. He was a special man, although very different than the Jews. Who is the other character? A servant. A servant of a Roman officer was a slave with very limited rights, almost no rights at all. He was a living tool that might have been purchased probably on the market or captured by the very centurion during the war. Belonged to him now. So we find this incredible journey of the centurion to meet the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The Roman goes to the teacher of the Jews to ask him to take care to heal his servant who was paralyzed. He was the slave who was out of work. He could not do his job anymore. And he was in terrible distress. An example of great faith. He approaches the Savior and says, Okay, I will come to your house. And I'll heal him, knowing his heart and his faith. But the centurion surprises him by further going into the bright direction of his faith that brings humility. He teaches us how to approach the Lord. With great humility, he says, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. I'm a sinful man. Don't come there. But, just say a word, and he will be healed. You see his faith. Trusted that the Lord cannot, is not only that he can heal from the distance, that can heal from, from where he was, but also it takes him just a word. He believed that this was a man with tremendous power. Probably the one who created his servant to start with, and who has the power to remedy his illness. The centurion, although Roman, showed faith and humility beyond everybody else. That the Lord was amazed at him. So we see here, love coming down now. Just like in our service, since we started. Embracing love. The love of God poured upon the one whom people hate, the centurion. Okay? And upon the one who all despised as a piece of junk, the slave. Isn't this amazing? Why did this man, the centurion, have so much faith? What enabled him to do the prayer and to be listened to? What made the prayer of this man possible instantaneously and have the Lord react? Boom! 
from the distance with a word to heal. This man was obedient, we learn. He tells us the secret himself. He says, I am a man under authority. It means, I report to a commander. And I also have soldiers under me. And I know what authority means. I know what it means to be under authority. But not just like we say now. I live by that, Lord. I live by that. If I'm under somebody's authority, I'm obedient. And if I'm authoritarian, I have the authority over others, forgive me. I'm kind and loving and careful to them. This is what I do. This is what the Lord saw here. Tremendous faith coming from somebody who was tremendously obedient. And who honored obedience from others with love and care. If there's anything I want you to take home, brothers and sisters, is this fact. Humility and faith are what's needed to come in front of the Lord. But humility, as the Holy Fathers teach and demonstrate to us, can only come from obedience. From being under authority and honoring that. The reverse. Being under authority and not honoring, not honoring that makes us disobedient, cuts off our power to pray, our power to receive the, God, the, the grace from God, and ultimately our power to be saved. This is how important obedience is in being under authority. Allow me to bring a little bit of light here about obedience and being under authority from the Holy Fathers. Of course, obedience obedience brings humility. Humility brings faith. Faith brings us in front of Christ. It starts with obedience. Obedience saves. We can only think of Adam and Eve, who are disobedient. We can only think of the Virgin Mary, who was obedient. We can only think of the Lord Himself, who was obedient to the Father, to the cross. The martyrs, obedient to what Christ taught them. They were under the authority of Christ. I will tell you this story. I'll remind you this story. Remember Akakios from the ladder. Every year I tell you about him. There's a story there in the beginning of the book, the ladder. Akakios was a monk who went to, who was under obedience, under the authority of an elder who was abusive to him. Alright? Abusive physically. Beating him up until he died. And the elder was scared, brought in another elder. He said, I, I killed Akakios. And the other one said, no, you cannot. You didn't kill him. Oh, no, no, I killed him with my own hand. No, you didn't kill him. He said, come and show you the, his grave. So they went to his grave. And the visiting elder asked, Akakios, are you dead? He said, uh, no, I'm alive. The obedient never die. It's the saints, the example of the saints. Obedience transforms, changes, heals, like in the case of the centurion's slave. Protects us here. It's Elder Joseph, the Hesychast, he tells us from his own experience, when he was by himself in the caves of the mountains, the attacks of the enemies, the enemy, the devil, that is, were tremendous. As soon as he came under obedience, under authority in the monastery, and labor there, 
he was protected. Of course, they didn't go away completely, but he was protected. Obedience and being under authority restores. Bears witness. And this is what you're gonna this is what you're called to do these coming years. To bear witness that you're Orthodox Christians. In the world, in this country. Because the pressure to change and adopt unchristian way of life is there. Kids included in your schools. Would this be primary school or, or college? St. Justin the Martyr at his trial, right? He was to be killed. He says, To obey the commandments of our Savior Jesus Christ is worthy neither of blame nor of condemnation. But guess what? If you do obey them, soon in our lifetime, most likely, we will have to go what he went through. Face a trial like this. So be obedient and being under authority is a way of to bringing witness to the world of martyrdom. So, but above all these, the example that we, we see today in the gospel reading is that obedience empowers us to come in front of the altar, in front of the icon, in front of the candili to say that prayer. Without obedience, we're impotent. What kind of authority what kind of authority are we to be under? First of all, authority unto God. Meaning, being obedient to God. He is the authority and we obey His commandments. The commandments are not just the two of them to love God and love one another. We know of other ones. We know of the one of going into the world to teach and preach everything He has taught us. It's a commandment. We're responsible for that. And so on. See the Sermon on the Mount. St. Anthony, the great, the Egyptian, calls the one who follows the authority of God an intelligent man. So here's an IQ test for us. How intelligent we are. A truly intelligent man has only one care. Wholeheartedly to obey Almighty God and to please Him. To obey and to please God. The one and only thing he teaches his soul is how best to do things agreeable to God, thanking him for his merciful providence in whatever may happen in his life. Did you hear that? Thank God for everything that happens in our life, the glorious and the painful, the mournful too. The intelligent man is the one who is obedient and thanks God. We are called to be under authority in church. This means to be obedient to the church. Tradition, our Orthodox Church tradition, is 2,000 years old. It is in the context of the tradition that the gospel was filtered, produced, crystallized to what we have today, the Bible. We do not separate the Bible from the tradition of the church. The scriptures and the canons, we are under authority from them. And when we go by them, we're empowered to pray and to have Christ listen to us and hear us better. What else are we obedient to under authority in the church? The liturgical tradition. What does it mean? Well, it means that we celebrate the liturgy according to the 
the text that was given to us from generation to generation, from St. John Chrysostom, from St. Basil, from St. James, whatever. It means that we are under authority when the liturgy starts. When blessed is the kingdom of the Father and the Son and Holy Spirit, in obedience I present myself here. In disobedience I can be somewhere else. This is part of the authority of the church. Other services, the way we conduct the memorial service here, and so on. We're under authority from our bishop. We're an apostolic church with apostolic continuity to our bishop. We're the true church. We're under authority, the authority of the priest, to be obedient to that. These are all checkpoints, challenges given to us. It's kind of the Lord coming, hey, are you, do you want me to hear you? I'm here. Do something about it. Be obedient. Be there. Respect this. Do this. And the church gives us plenty of of material like this. Under authority of our conscience. How important that is to listen to it. And not to violate what it says. The natural law within our heart telling us what's good from what's bad. Under authority from our spiritual father. The spiritual father not only hears our confession, but he can prescribe to us some remedy for improving our journey to salvation. A little penance. That is to be taken with obedience. It comes from His authority. That heals. That's what brings me as worthy in front of the altar. Remember that. Makes my my prayer powerful. Today we celebrate the Holy Father, St. Athanasius of Mount Athos. His journey was amazing. How as a young man, very faithful, grew up in his ascetic life, in his many blessings given by, by God upon him, And he grew up to be the founder of monastic life as we know it today, Kenobitic, on Mount Athos. He's the one who established the monastery of the Great Lavra. This was around the year 1000. After being in, in, in very proximity with God and the guidance of the Virgin Mary, the patron of Mount Athos. Saint Athanasius, as a young man like Alexia is, like this, maybe a little bit older, went to finally to a monastery. By that time, his prayer was so intense. Meaning what? He was so obedient. And he was so enlightened, cleansed and purified and illumined by God that he lived by the grace of God through the week. He only ate a piece of bread at the end of the week. And he slept on the floor. So he was a good, in good shape, as we say. When he arrived at the monastery, this was before Mount Athos, the abbot seeing him, the elder seeing him, said, okay, okay, I would like you to eat every three days, not every seven. And I'd like you to sleep on a mattress. What did St. Athanasius say? Oh, but I, I'm much better than that. I can go for a whole week. Why are you giving me to do this? I can do better. I mean, I worked all these years and now you tell me to throw it away? He didn't say this. You know what he did? Zip. He knew that being obedient to what he's asked to do, even if he doesn't like that, is what makes him faithful, humble. 
And he labored for this. So, he accepted that and graciously went and ate every three days. The Saint Athanasius, read about him and you will not regret it. Spiritual father, his spiritual father told him to do something he didn't like. That was salvific. That's what made him Christ-like. Christ didn't want to suffer on the cross as a man, but he went there in obedience. As a man, that is. What else did Saint Athanasius do? As a spiritual father. When his monastic, when his monks were coming for confession and he was giving them the penance. Listen to this. He was doing that himself too. Out of love for them. Not publicizing that. So you don't know what your spiritual father does for you. It's required. He's under authority to be obedient, to pray for those who do confession for his spiritual children and to guard them. We move to a different category of being under authority, spouses. We are to be under the authority of the other. Husband under the authority of the wife, wife under the authority of, of the husband. Obeying their needs, listening, sacrificing as Christ did for the church. He is the head of the church. This is what he did. Children. We have children here today. Obedience to parents, to teachers, to camp advisors and directors. Why? Not because they want to be a pain, but because you want to grow to be worthy. You want to grow to be beautiful. You want to be shiny, have peace and have Christ with you. You want to have this channel with Christ such that when you are in trouble... You turn to Christ and say, Lord Jesus Christ, help me. And you remember how he healed the centurion's slave from the distance with the word. This is why, children, we want to be obedient for our own benefit. Parents, we need to be under the authority of the children. What does it mean? When my child is sick, I go to the pharmacy and buy the medication. I'm obedient to that. I don't just sit at home and flip the channels. Okay, it will go away. This is an example of being under the authority of our children. Under their needs. However, we're not to be under the authority of their desires and pleasures. Alright? Give me another video game or whatever that is. Finally, under the authority of ourselves. What? Yes. We too have needs. We have spiritual needs. Our soul needs to be fed. Just like our body needs to be fed and taken to the gym. So does the soul. And if we do not feed the soul, we violate the authority upon us. From ourselves. Our needs. Meet those needs. A different category of being under authority. The local government authorities. This is now a harder one for some here. Because we are told what to do. And we don't like when we have to wear the mask. But hey, do you know that they told us to wear the mask? So when I walk on the sidewalk here downtown Carmel, I got to ask myself, why don't I wear the mask? I'm disobedient. Could this count, just like of the centurions here, for his obedience to the colonel, maybe this I received to wear the mask is for my own benefit. So maybe put it on. Not just for the rest. 
The authorities tell us not to meet in certain conditions. Alright? Maybe not to have church. But all along we talked about this. Be obedient. Be obedient. Disobedience ruins what we have gained until then. St. Seraphim of Sarov. One should not oppose authorities who act for good. Did you hear that? Who act for good. Those coming from communist countries, you remember what it was there with the authorities. And how people, priests, bishops, patriarchs were disobedient. St. Seraphim of Sarov. One should not oppose authorities who act for good. So as not to sin before God and be subjected to His just chastisement. Ouch. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinances of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves, as St. Paul writes to the Romans. Finally, be under authority from our community. We're part of a community when we obey all these things. When we're in the authority of God. When you are the authority of the church, of the bishop, of the priest, of, of myself, of my conscience, and you name it. Why? Because when we fail to do this, when we disobey, that sin takes us away. And we walk away. We might bring our body here. We might dress it and look good. But we're really not part of that. So thank God that He gave us the way back, the repentance, the prodigal son coming back. Remember the beautiful repentance and confession? That's the way to come back to the community. Well, there's one more. Actually, there's one more thing I want to tell you. All these calls to be under authority and obedient might be too complicated. Let's pay attention for a moment to what ruins it. How come we fail to do this? And we do, from all ages to all ranks, we have here St. Gregor, Gregory of Sinai telling us about five passions hostile to obedience. They come to harass us. They come after us, you know, giving us a hard time all the time. Number one, disobedience. Clear disobedience. I will go against this. God, bishop, priest, church, community, whatever that is, parents. I make that conscious decision. That's really bad. Number two, Arguing. Have you ever found yourself in a position to argue with the one under whose authority you are? Presbytera, please forgive me. I ask for your forgiveness. I do this all the time. I argue with you. Kids, when you're told to do something, how do you do that? Isn't there an instinct to say, oh no, I'm not going to do this. I I took the garbage yesterday. I'm not going to do this again. You know what happens then? You miss the opportunity to grow in faith, to grow beautiful, to be truly a boy or girl of Christ. That's why it's given. What is the proper uh, answer here? Well, what St. Athanasius is, zip it up. Elder Joseph the Hezekiah from Mount Athos, again. He who is obedient is an imitator of Christ. And he who is proud and talks back is an imitator of the devil. That's it. When I talk back to my spouse, to my mother or father who asked me to do something, I imitate the devil. Horns and tail I put on myself right away. 
It is so important to be quiet and do what we're asked to take that opportunity to be obedient and bring fruits. Disobedience and arguing. Number three, self-gratification. For my own gratification, it ruins everything. If I, if, I'm, if I go that way, if I go that way. Self-justification. I'm told to set up, I justify myself. I went to church last week. Okay, I'm good this week, you know. Once a month, might be okay. Fails the obedience to the authority of the church, the Christ himself and everything on that path. Finally, disobedience, arguing, self-gratification, self-justification. And finally, a high opinion of myself. Yeah, I'm the best. I'm the leader. I'm the manager. All right? The minute I do this, my ability to respond to authority is diminished. And the enemy rejoices. So, we learn from the Holy Fathers. But there's one more that I wanted to bring to you to wrap it up here. Well, it looks like I don't have it. But anyway, I'll tell you about it anyway. We read recently the book, Wounded by Love, by St. Porphyrios. And the first part of the book talks about Porphyrios now growing in the monk. And his journey to be a true accomplished priest and monk. God working in his life. And this man teaches us something very special about being an authority under obedience. To do that with love, freely, and with joy. Freely, meaning what? I have to put this in my head and in my heart that I'm obedient to God, Christ, bishop, church, conscience, parents, whatever, because of my own desire. It has to come from me. If my mom comes after me with a rod saying, you better clean your room again, otherwise you'll be out of here. Okay? That is not free obedience. Free obedience would be, I know that I have to clean the room, my mom told me this two years ago, and today's Friday, Saturday, I better clean it. St. Porphyrios did this. And when he did this freely, that was his resolution. Peace came upon him. And he moved to the next step up. He did it with love. With love. No matter what. Put love in that. Love for God and love for the one who's telling me to do it. Elder Porphyrios, St. Porphyrios, my whole life was a paradise. Prayer, worship, handicraft, and obedience. But my obedience was the outcome of love, not of coercion. This blessed obedience benefited me greatly. It changed me. I became sharp-witted, quick, and stronger in body and soul. Obedience, St. Porfirio says, shows love for Christ. And Christ especially loves the obedient. This is why the centurion was so impressive to Christ. You know, he sees everything we do and he knows everything going on in our heart. And how we are obedient. 
and maybe disobedient? And how obedience is an affirmation of our freedom, of our dignity to be truly men, people of God. Capernaum witnessed this firsthand. They saw him, they heard him. Then they saw the slave being, the, the, the servant being healed. What did they do? Something really bad that triggered the Lord to tell them, Woe to you, for you didn't listen to me. Such a powerful lesson today. So again, let us thank God that we could hear this together. That we could be transformed altogether and pray to Him with a heart that is purified by obedience and humility. Amen.